Hi, welcome to In Sync, the podcast that explores the history and impact of some of your favorite music moments in TV and film. I'm your host, Rachel Brodsky. And I'm Mr. Napkinhead. I mean, Mr. Brightside. Welcome to a very special holiday-themed episode of InSync. Can you hear the sleigh bells in the background? That's how you know it's a holiday episode. <laughs> Aviv and I knew exactly what our listeners would want for Christmas this year. Two Jews talking about the Nancy Myers Yuletide classic where Kate Winslet house swaps with Cameron Diaz and then they both find love amid unfamiliar surroundings. I'm talking, of course, about the holiday. And what better needle drop is there to talk about than the scene where Cameron Diaz, freshly broken up with and bored in an English cottage, scream sings the killer's Mr. Brightside with a glass of red wine. So how did Mr. Brightside end up in the holiday? And why does Aviv hate Christmas? Christmas. (laughs) We'll answer all these questions and more on a very special holiday episode of InSync. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I want to open by saying that I went to a holiday party last night. And it had there was karaoke oh, at the holiday party, and oh, two like I love. the second, the second song I'd spent all day like scripting out this episode about Mr. Brightside, and what does someone sing? Mr. Brightside. Mr. Brightside. So this is a fun game for I th- that that Leanne, my wife, and I developed for weddings but can also be applied to any gathering of white people which is white people wedding bingo where you <laughs> fill out your bingo board with songs that you expect to hear at a white person's wedding a la mr brightside maybe some yeah. don't stop believing september etc yeah and then yeah. you you know you do a you do you play a little bingo game so you know keep, take take that to your holiday parties did you guys? I might. I, I think I left before like the most intensive dance portion mm-hmm. of your wedding because I am a chronic party early leaver. I'm a. I, I <laughs> would that I could. 
have. <laughs> um, did you guys play Mr. Brightside no. at your wedding? Fuck no. <laughs> so I, I am on record as not really caring for this song, and I can explain why when we get kind of into the song okay. itself. But okay. um, Leanne and I did a playlist, Spotify play. We did actually several Spotify playlists, and we we it was with increasing like we made it increasingly esoteric, and so we started with some lcd sound system dance yourself clean and um also eye to eye the tevin campbell song from a goofy movie which oh, abs- that's awesome. absolutely fucked and then we like got into like later in the night we got into like the faint and like like the faint emo deep cuts yeah i am applauding yeah i can share here. the playlist with you it is it is please really do ridiculous. actually it's- because i have a friend getting married in june and uh she she also created a playlist yeah and then i shared with her it wasn't a wedding playlist exactly but it was a playlist that i created for my sister's bachelor not no her her bridal Bridal shower shower. that had a lot of classics the faint was not on there, but yeah, I feel yeah. like my friend could still use some ideas. So I, I think it's it's really good to I, share. Absolutely, yeah. And like the the weirdly the like the more esoteric the song, the like better the reaction was from people. People went yeah. hard for like the goofy movie song, but That's on t- on to today's on, episode. On to the holiday. The holiday. What could be simpler? After getting cheated on by her boyfriend, Ed Burns, Cameron Diaz's Amanda swaps her house in Hollywood for the holidays on a house swapping no, website. It's in Brentwood. Oh, I'll go fuck myself then. Swaps I mean, her. If you live in LA, yeah, huge yeah, she, different. She's a Hollywood uh, trailer producer, so I just yes. assumed she was kind of in the hills or something. She lives in Brentwood. She swaps her house in Brentwood for the holidays on a house swapping website, which seems like a lawsuit waiting to happen with Kate Winslet's Iris and her cottage somewhere in the UK. Iris is equally heartbroken by blue-eyed devil Jasper played by Rufus Sewell of A Knight's Tale in Dark City. While in Los Angeles, Iris meets Miles, played by Jack Black, when we were trying to ruffle him, him into rom-coms. I love ruffle him and it's being turned into That's what verb. we were doing, right? It's like, you're kind of we weird were. looking. Let's get you in You're like, you make funny noises sometimes, yeah. which can be perceived as charming. How yeah. charming are let's test the limits of how charming you are. <laughs> Miles is a young film composer who uh is equally heartbroken when his Shannon Sossaman. I uh, it's in there. Miles is a young film composer who is equally heartbroken by his actress ex, played by Shannon Sossaman, also from a knight's tale, and the Christmas classic Kiss Kiss Bang Bang cheats on him. And because Jack Black doesn't do it for just everybody. Iris also meets Arthur, played by the good, the bad, and the ugly, ugly's Eli Wallach, among like 150 other roles. We could be here all day talking about the incredible career of Eli Wallach. He plays Arthur, who is a screenwriter from Hollywood's golden age, and he and Iris bond over their love of old film. I'd be remiss if I didn't mm-hmm. mention a fateful trip to Blockbuster featuring Miles and Iris running into real-life Dustin Hoffman, which, according to Hoffman, was unscripted and unexpected. He was actually just going to Blockbuster to rent a movie, and he saw the film lights, recognized Nancy, Nancy Myers, walked up to her and was like, what's going on? And she wrote him in a scene on the spot. Well, it doesn't get more L.A. than that. 
right? Meanwhile, across the pond, Amanda is still reeling from her breakup. She has her Mr. Brightside moment in her living room and then has the misfortune of running into Iris's brother, Graham, who has the insurmountable character flaw of, let me check my notes here, being a loving father (laughs) to two young girls. Yeah. (laughs) Can Amanda, which he's like hiding for some reason, can Amanda find love with, I cannot stress this enough, Jude Law at his handsomest, who is hiding the fact that he's just a good dad? Who can really say? Mm -hmm. But we're in an Auntie Myers (laughs) movie, so you know the kitchens are going to be fabulous. Yes, and, and the layering is going to be exquisite. So, Rachel, why, oh, why does Cameron Diaz dance to Mr. Brightside in this movie? I don't know, Aviv. I mean, I do know, but I want you to say it. <laughs> Why does Cameron Diaz dance to Mr. Brightside in this movie? Other than the fact that this is a great breakup Ugh. song about being heartbroken. I like it. A white even person if banger. Yeah. It's a white person. It, it, it is anthemic and it gets played at a lot. It's, you know what? You know what? I've just decided that it's like, okay, do you remember? No. I'm going to reference 9-11, so get ready. I do Do remember 9-11. Do you remember after 9-11 how every radio station all over the country played Born in the USA without understanding what it was actually about? 100% yes. yes. Well, to me, this is like the wedding equivalent of, of... that like I think hey yeah is the wedding equivalent of that because that song is about a divorce oh yeah it is but to America ans- Badu yeah 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 but to answer the question about why so like not necessarily to Mr. Brightside but why does Cameron Diaz dance and sing in this movie to answer that question you have to understand the context of Cameron Diaz's stardom in the late 90s and early 2000s Cameron got her big break at the age of 21 alongside Jim Carrey in The Mask, in which she has multiple dance numbers. <laughs> her first foray into the rom-com pantheon was three years later in My Best Friend's Wedding, which I also have some hot takes about that movie, too, where there is a dance number that doesn't super involve her until, oh, wait, she sings karaoke and everyone joins in in a big musical number. But that wasn't enough dancing for 1997, Cameron, (laughs) because luckily we have A Life Less Ordinary, where she does another dance number. Mm. Her star goes supernova in 2000 when she starred in Charlie's Angels, where her character Mm -hmm. seemed to have the brain of a child, Mm -hmm. and she famously danced around in her underwear. This is where... (laughs) Yeah, and she's like fascinated by her twerking butt in yes. the mirror, and she's wearing like I've seen like, I've like seen Charlie little boy yeah underwears. yeah she she's supposed to be like uh like super nerdy and therefore like doesn't realize how pretty she is the epitome of hot but doesn't know it yeah yep. and yep. this is when Cameron Diaz dances in her underwear became such a trope that John August the screenwriter of Charlie's Angels Full Throttle put it at the top of his list of things he was certain he wasn't going to do in the sequel to Charlie's Angels. <laughs> And it turns out the studio demanded it, and John August had to write in a scene specifically into the 2003 Cameron Diaz sequel, where Cameron dances around in her underwear once again. Not to mention a Rachel Brodsky favorite, the, the 2000, thing, the 2002 sex comedy, The Sweetest Thing, which positions it between Charlie's Angels' original recipe and Charlie's Angels' Full Throttle, where she once again dances. I love that you created a whole narrative out of this. This is why I was late to today's (laughs) recording. I just kept finding more. She even dances in 2002's Gangs of New York. So that's eight movies in a 12-year period where Cameron Diaz sings and dances, often solo, 
excluding 2006 is the holiday. <laughs> that is the ninth. So, okay. This is kind of a thing. Actors and producers will identify that celebrities have a thing that they do in movies. Brad Pitt eats. Tom Cruise famously <laughs> runs. Tom Hanks pees. Leonardo DiCaprio winds up soaking wet. And Cameron Diaz dances around, often solo. Oh, my God. Why is the only scene of Brad Pitt eating that I can think of right now, the one where, like, in Meet Joe Black, where he meets where he, Claire Forlani and then dies, like, a like horrific butt fucking death. nailed and by then, the car. And then... <laughs> has his body taken over by death that's like they brad is eating in just about every scene of all three oceans movies (laughs) he's always just like finishing an ice cream cone or something and so this is like this is like a a brand thing right like people's people's images are their brands and they realize that people like it when they run or eat or pee Mm -hmm. or wind up soaking wet eat or pee eat or well tom hanks pees when you start to think about it, there are an incredible amount of movie of movies where Tom Hanks pees. Is he peeing in uh, You've Got Mail? I don't, I don't think, think he's... he's peeing in You've Got Mail, but he pees in a league of their own. Very famously. Oh, yeah. He, he, there's a whole thing about that's, him. That was some good peeing. That's some good peeing. <laughs> yeah. He pees in, in Apollo 13 and they shoot oh, it out yeah. of the airlock. All he, I remember is, uh, what's his name going like, it hurts when I urinate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, 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 Bill Paxton, who gets yeah. pneumonia. Yeah. Speaking, yeah, 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 yeah. Of, speaking of hurting when you urinate, <laughs> Tom Hanks pees in, uh, or he has like a urinary tract infection in the Green Mile, which is what oh. Michael Clark Duncan like cures him of with his like magical oh, powers. Yeah. Oh, it's problematic magical powers. Yeah. So, so that. There is just like a fucking thing. Even in Forrest Gump, he tells JFK that he really has to pee. <laughs> there's like, there's just like some weird fascination that celebrities have with just like being a normal person, right? Eating, peeing, running, and dancing. So it's unclear whether it was a demand from Cameron's team from the studio or from Nancy Myers or, or that Nancy Myers just picked up on the fact that in the 90s and 2000s, we love to see Cameron jump around. But the role of Amanda was written specifically for Cameron in mind. So I have a feeling that this was like in the scripting phase. They're like, Cameron's got to dance around. You know what they did to John August. Yeah. Well, so part of this discussion, we we can't not talk about a, a very recent New York Times article that kind of revisits Mr. Brightside as a whole. The killer's Mr. Brightside at 20. How Mr. Brightside Became a Generation's Anthem. Overlooked at its release, the killer's signature hit has become one of the most inescapable rock songs of its time. I agree with the second part of this sentence. Inescapable rock song. I don't, yes, I don't necessarily agree with the first part of the sentence. I don't believe that the song was overlooked, but I definitely, and I'll get into that, but I definitely agree that it's, the go-to killer's classic because it is so anthemic. So I feel like it is overlooked in the opposite definition where we have overlooked at it. We've we've looked at it too much. <laughs> and wait, so are we overlooking its central premise that it's a breakup song? No, we, we are like overlooking, like we're wearing it out. We're overlooking it. 
Oh, wow. Okay. I don't think that's what the writer meant. Certainly not. I, I literally just made that <laughs> definition. I, I, that like, the, I, I like that twist, too. That's a good twist. Thank you. Well, for this New York Times article that ran um, in late 2023, they actually got Nancy Myers on the horn to talk about why they why she decided to place Mr. Brightside in the holiday in this way. And the, the scene in question that we talked about a bit up top, Cameron Diaz is kind of, she's really going through it. She's, she's having big dro- feelings. It's her first night alone in uh, an English cottage that like is, I think it appears to be like train distance outside of London, but it looks very remote. It's very small. It's totally different from her giant, truly like massive mansion. I have not no in idea. Hollywood though. Uh, not in Hollywood. Her not Brentwood Hollywood. estate, and she's in. She's she's covered in like white. Uh, she's in like a white sweater and wearing like her mittens and a hat and a scarf, and she's she's layered. In a Nancy Myers impeccable way, but she's also wearing all this like outerwear because she's kind of losing it. She's been broken up with, but the like the 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 subtext is that oh, Cameron Diaz works too hard. All she does is work, and that's part of why she got broken up with because she was just editing too many movie trailers. Too many movie trailers. And now I she's want this gotta, in Scorsese Red. <laughs> and now she's got to go uh, get out her feelings in Kate Winslet's cottage. And Nancy Myers tells the New York Times of this moment, I knew I liked the song. The lyrics worked for the scene. What's that line about? Choking on your alibis? I don't know if they wrote it from a woman's point of view, no. but it fit what I needed. And and uh, Nancy Myers also said, it's strangely upbeat for an angry song. Cheating on people. That's not going out of style. And a few years earlier, Cameron Diaz talked to Vulture about this moment. And uh, Vulture asks, what's the best bit of direction that Nancy Myers gave you? And here's what Cameron said. Cameron said, I remember when we were doing the scene where I'm dancing to Mr. Brightside. She kind of did it for me. She being Nancy Myers. It was very Nancy. You just kind of let loose. So that was really funny when she was on set and danced it out with me the first time around. So just just picture Nancy Myers dancing for Cameron Diaz and and Cameron's dance is just unhinged. Like it's peak i'm all alone no one yeah. can see me like dance, dance like, like nobody's no watching sure. yeah <laughs> dance you, like you're drunk and no one's watching if you need help picturing nancy myers she looks a little bit like marley matlin <laughs> and the vulture interviewer asked is nancy myers a good dancer and Be careful how you answer cameron <laughs> cameron answers She's a great dancer. She sent me a video of her dancing at the beginning of quarantine. So this interview took place at like the very beginning of quarantine um, for COVID. So she, being Nancy Meyer, sent me a video of her dancing to the at the beginning of quarantine to Mr. Brightside. But she's like going crazy because she's been on her own in her house with Clorox wipes. Oh boy, what a, what a time we lived in. Yeah, I mean. I feel like most of us have blocked out like that early era wiping of COVID. Up, wiping down groceries. Yeah, COVID. wiping down groceries and every countertop. And um, 
I know as a as a journalist, every interview that we conducted around this time for something else that was like an anniversary or or promotion or whatever, we'd we'd have to immediately be like, so how are you? Unprecedented times, right? Yeah. So let's let's immediately address the COVID elephant elephant in the room. Like, what is going on with you? Like, what's your day to day like? What's your COVID quarantine routine? And I think we've, yeah, like looking back even three years later is, uh, it does something to you. It's super weird. It's super weird. Right. Anyway, now let's get into how Mr. Brightside was apparently overlooked upon release. I So, so, so actually, you know, we, mm-hmm. we have a, a shared notes document listeners and, and there are some, so I took a little, took a little, a peek at, at. Rachel's notes and I think actually I am I am convinced that it was slightly overlooked. Well, I remember there were a lot of bangers on Hot Fuss, mm-hmm. the Killers uh debut album from 2004. And the whole album is like top to bottom like rips. no no it's skips. So good. So no good. skips. Smile like you mean it. I remember being all over the place. I think but to, like on this album at the time, somebody told me was like yeah, the song that I remember song. being on all the time. And and these things that I have done. Yeah, Those, I got I, sold, I think, but I, I'm not a soldier. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So so it from your notes, I can see that Mr. Brightside was the debut single. It was. It was the debut single. So this but is why I think it, was, it might it had, be overlooked, yeah. right? Is because mm-hmm. I don't remember hearing it ever. I listened to the radio a lot at this time, and I don't remember hearing it ever. But I distinctly remember the very first time I heard somebody told me, and I was like, "What is that? Like, how is this band allowed to be to exist?" So <laughs> I think I think maybe it had like kind of a very uh, subtle attack, and then just the longest tale of basically any song from the year 2003 i think it is possibly i mean everyone loves a a breakup song that hits combined with the energy of like a dancing on my own or uh what did, what did you say journey don't stop don't believing. stop believing which is yeah. a song i also genuinely dislike me too. Although I have softened up on it a little bit since Do you want to moving... wait six minutes to get to a chorus? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if they if they justify it, like they don't. don't they? I mean, like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is like three songs in one, and and somehow True. they they justify. I don't I'm know. I don't a, know how you feel about Bohemian. I'm not Rhapsody. a huge Bohemian Rhapsody fan. I like Queen a lot, but I think Bohemian Rhapsody is a little overrated. I I I feel similarly about Mr. Brightside. I don't think it is a bad song. I do think it is the worst song on the album. Oh, that's a take. I I think that I think that it is not a bad. Yeah, I stand by yeah. it. Not a bad song. Worst song on the album. The Killers is a band that I I feel like. Okay, this is this is gonna be. I might piss off some like fellow elder millennials here. My feeling about the Killers is that they like should have taken the hot hot heat career journey, which is that they have one banger album and then that's it. I agree. I think the best. The best. I don't (laughs) understand. I don't understand how. Like to me, like no album has surpassed the heights of of Hot Hot Fuzz. Fuzz. I agree. 
hundred percent. I think the best two Killers albums are Hot Fuss and then the B sides of Hot Fuss. <laughs> and Sam's Town is kind of meh, and everything yeah. else is like almost unlistenable. I agree with that. I agree Hell with yeah. that. Yeah, anti Christmas, anti like, anti Killers. I like the Killers. Yeah. I just I just don't and I don't understand why some fans that were that have ostensibly like put produced way better albums after their first like perfect album. Yeah. I I just like flatlined and yet the killers are one of the biggest rock bands ever. in the world yeah. still. So now now begins my tirade about why Mr. Brightside ruined the killers. Oh, so okay. Okay. Let me famously let's, let's have it. Yeah. The, the the legend is that Mr. Brightside was the first song that the Killers ever wrote, right? Yeah, yeah. So that right there is like a poison pill because if you're like, ah, I will try my hand at writing music, and then the first song that you ever write is your is your runaway biggest song ever, you're like learning the wrong lessons. It's the difference between having an uh being forced to come up with something and like ha- allowing something to come up organically. Also, Mr. Brightside is very, very, very rudimentary, right? The verse is one note. It is like a speak and spell is singing it. <laughs> Coming out of my cage and I've been doing fine. Right? Which is, I think, ultimately what lends to the anthemic nature because when yeah. it moves out of that into the, into the chorus, jealousy, Right. It feels like we are suddenly like the weight has been let go of us and we can like listen to just a second note, you know, like like more more melody. But this is starting to feel like an episode of Song Exploder, but like I fully in the negative. Yeah, this is this is why I've like never tried to do a Song Exploder type thing, because I'm like, and this is why it sucks. The I don't think I also (laughs) don't think it sucks. I just think it is it is very clearly to me a first song, especially Mm -hmm. because the lead, the solo is just Ode to Joy. (laughs) Right? <laughs> it is just up and down a major scale, which might make it perfect for a Christmas movie like the holiday, right? But famously, they yeah, used- or if you just need something to scream while you're being bro- after you were broken up with, yeah, <laughs> that's also true. So I, th- I, so I, and I, and I also think that like lyrically, it is, it is pretty all over the place. It doesn't, there isn't a narrative. Not that a song needs to have a narrative, but. They they stopped at writing one verse. They're just like, oh, this sounds good. Let's just do it again. The whole song just <laughs> repeats twice and then ends. Um, and so I think that it is it is very much uh, kind of a scratch take of a song that happened to connect with people for. I don't completely not understand the reason why it connects with people, but I think that then the killers know that this is their biggest song and they're just like, do just let's do the same thing over and over and over again and like not be innovative not really uh uh push ourselves to write a maybe a second verse when the other songs on the record are really cool are really innovative do tell stories right jenny was a friend of mine is like an Mm. incredible song yeah it's a good one yeah lyrically it's super 
smart and musically it's super smart i also say this having listened to basically every single killer song ever so i i like i like oh, want, so you know you know what you're talking about kind of I catalog mean, I, speaking this is ultimately just my opinion but like this is i think that early success mm-hmm. plus like your simplest song being your biggest hit taught them the wrong lessons about what the what good songwriting would be for them in the future Mm. It might also be now. I have not seen the Killers live. It I seems have. to me. Okay, what did you think of their live performance? I saw them on the Hot Fuss tour, and this also. I think we talked a little bit about Ambulance Ltd. Yeah. Oh no, we didn't. We didn't talk about them. But you, you, you post them on. I Instagram. Po- yeah, I posted. Uh, I was at the gym <laughs> and I was listening to um, Ambulance Ltd.'s. What is it? Um, it's like, relax. Don't don't think about the way I treat you. I don't like. It's like it's got like the most uh, misogynistic like refrain ever. But it's got it's like such a vibe. The whole song is just very like detached. I don't and and it's for some reason on my gym mix. But uh, but then you re- you replied to the, my Instagram they were story mean to me once. Oh yeah. So this oh, all oh so all they has to do so with that, the that so that song was uh, directed at you then. I guess so. So the so in 2004 they had the Killers had uh gone on tour and they booked a club like a club tour right I think right before Hot Fuss like really blew up and so it was the hottest ticket in town. It was at the Roxy in Boston and when it was when the Roxy still existed and um i didn't have tickets so my freshman year roommate and i uh went to the roxy to try to like scalp tickets mm-hmm. and we weren't having we went like several hours early we did not know what the fuck we were doing um and we were having no luck and we there was there used to be a chinese restaurant just next to the roxy so we went in to get some food and there was a band of five dudes just sitting there and when i say a band i mean they're in tight jeans they're in sunglasses Mm. indoors tight dirty (laughs) dirty hair tight t-shirts i'm like i know what a band looks like that's a band (laughs) and this is 2004 early social media super early social media days Mm -hmm. i don't know what time i don't know what the killers look like and so i walk i just like take a gambit i'm 18 i'm like hey are you the killers and they're like oh yeah Oh, and I was like, no. oh, we're trying to get into the show tonight and we can't get tickets. And like, well, I don't know. Good luck, kid. I don't I don't know what to tell you. And we like walk away. Okay. We wind up getting to the show. It's the most crowded show I've ever been to. I could like lift my legs up off the ground and not go anywhere. It's just like total crush. And the band that we saw in the Chinese restaurant takes the stage and they like start playing a song that I'm unfamiliar with. And I'm like, oh, pretty bold of them to like open with a brand new song and it's like <laughs> and three it's, or f- and it's ambulance and it's LTD. ambulance ltd and i was like you <laughs> motherfuckers it took me several songs to figure out that i, I don't know any other ambulance ltd song first of all that tracks yeah like band, i don't know in terms of your average band's ego yeah 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 yeah, yeah. ego isn't gonna carry you anywhere but but it's gonna, it's gonna be the thing that just keeps you down in my experience also like you know they they were probably like you know i don't take it personally i i haven't ever listened to ambulance ltd but the well, killers were good they're easily <laughs> yeah well the only reason why i knew and liked that one song so much is that it was on an american eagle 
compilation Hell CD yes. that I got with my oh. clothes. So my for, purchase for a running tally of things that Aviv hates in this episode, <laughs> Mr. Brightside, Ambulance LTD, Christmas in general. And American Eagle? No, American Eagle's fine. Okay, all right. Well, first, before we go any further, we should put on Mr. Brightside. Let's listen to a little bit of that right now. Listen to the lead break. It's just out to joy. <laughs> Now, lyrically, Mr. Brightside is a true story of Flowers' uh, Brandon Flowers' literal jealousy and paranoia uh, when he uh, apparently walked into a bar in Las Vegas where the killers are from and found his girlfriend cheating on him. He said to the BBC, and I believe that was this year that he said it, he said, I was asleep and I knew something was wrong. I have these instincts. I went to the Crown and Anchor, a bar in Vegas, and my girlfriend was there with another guy. How many albums in the year 2003 did were inspired by like some dude's girlfriend making out with another dude? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of Hot Hot Heat again and Bandages seems like an easy entry. <laughs> Plus, Tell All Your Friends and right. Your Favorite Weapon by Taking Back Sunday and Brand New. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I never really got super into either of those. Oh, I was into Brand New, which, uh, you know, hasn't hasn't aged well for me. It's okay. I loved Saves the Day. They just didn't scream. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't really, like, really into... Any any band like the minute that screaming sure, started, sure, sure. then I just like it's, it was like nails on a chalkboard for me. I mean, I, I feel much more forgiving for it now, but at the time, like twenty <laughs> years ago, yeah. wasn't wasn't for me. I went to the same high school as one of the members of uh, the Starting Line, so nice. we had a, a lot of the I Starting used to Line. Love wannabes. them, yeah, yeah. Love the Starting Line, and um, Mr. Brightside was first released. Uh, in September 2003. But then it became more popular because it was re-released in 2004, making it a sleeper hit. It peaked at number 10 in both the US and the UK. And it is the killer's best-selling song in the US. And it is, let's see, let I want to see, it is the most streamed song on uh, Spotify under Hot Bus. And it is also their most streamed song period oh, of on course. 
on Spotify. And and I do agree with you that it is the perfect song for the Cameron Diaz character to kind of scream sing in the living room I think it should have been a long distance duet or trio or foursome where each of the main characters sings it in their own in like a montage and we're cutting back and forth I want to hear Jack Black sing Mr. Brightside oh yeah did he sing at all in the holiday he he sings a little bit of scores of movies when they're in the blockbuster oh, yeah. scene oh yeah he did <laughs> but but he doesn't do his like yeah. thing. <laughs> it's funny that like these two pair this, these two pairs of couples mm-hmm. uh, are like kind of making different movies and, and and there are quotes out there in like interviews about like Kate Winslet, Jack Black and and Cameron Diaz and and Jude Law talking about how they like it's like they were making separate movies because their characters rarely interact until like right. the last scene in the film. But um it's almost unfair to put like a Cameron Diaz with Jude Law who is like unbearably sexy and he's all like you know, sensitive with his glasses and his adorable daughters, Mr. Napkinhead, and and then and then you have Kate Winslet, beautiful, who's like got it, her her connection with Jack Black doesn't even really solidify until the end, and it's very up yeah. in the air. And, yeah, and, and truly, it, it her love story is with Eli Wallach. Yes, which is one of my takes on this movie is like they have the better the better chemistry and connection Mm. and you know i like jack black i like jack black as an actor but when you're putting you can't really put him on the same level as kate winslet who's one of the greatest living actors or eli wallach who was was one of the greatest living actors it's Mm -hmm. it's tough he's 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 playing a little bit out of his depth yeah well Going back to the actual, like, I guess, instrumentation, or at least the inspiration around the instrumentation. I mean, Mr. Brightside is such a an anthem, mm-hmm. really on purpose, because uh, apparently Brandon Flowers had recently seen Oasis and was um, just a, a super nerd for, uh, speaking of Britain, British bands from the 80s and 90s. And, like, that was the, like, greatest inspiration behind the birth of the killers yeah. and and writing mr brightside of course there was like the the emotional heartbreak inspiration but uh he told the guardian in 2019 that he wanted to write an answer to oasis's don't look back in anger and uh to from your perspective of Eve, it doesn't sound like he was successful. I don't know. What uh, is no, your... No, it does. I also don't <laughs> okay. like Oasis. Um, you don't? Okay, this is where we diverge. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I think Oasis is fine, but the... Well, they're the, only... They only wrote some of the greatest, most... An- like, the, the stickiest pop anthems yeah. to ex- exist. I, I have, like, What are you... Wild, are you, like... A- <laughs> we should start a Patreon. I have wild hot takes. I think Phantom Planet is a better pop band than Oasis. You need to leave uh, by like a mile. I think you need you need to leave. <laughs> but <laughs> we're we're not doing this podcast we're together. T- we're anymore. Done. <laughs> but I also think that this this aligns with something that I always assumed about the killers until I found out that they're from Las Vegas. Which listening to Hot Fuss, you are convinced that those those men are British. 
They really could be British. I mean, and also also because they talk to the Guardian and um, BBC and, so much, and I, I mean, they're beloved in Britain. And 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 Hot Fuss came out in Britain before it, it was like a hit in Britain before it was a hit in America. It came out before it came out. They were on like a British label for a while. Like I get it, but I think like if you, if you listen closely, I think he's singing with a British accent on Hot Fuss. There's a lot of anglophile energy. Yeah, for sure. And Hot so thoughts. and so if if I like okay, so he's got a fascination with Oasis and with this Brit pop of the of 10 years previous, that really makes sense to me as like a this is an iteration of the thing of like things like Blur and Oasis and all this other stuff that came before it. Like that I buy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um sorry, I'm anti-Oasis. That's okay. You're forgiven. Thank you. Well, um, because Mr. Brightside is the killer's most popular enduring song, this past month, we are recording this in December. Mm -hmm. This past month, the killers answered some fan questions for The Guardian. And one of the questions was, how how bored are you with Mr. Brightside? (laughs) Because they have have to perform it at every show. Right. And um, their drummer, Ronnie Venucci, said, that song plays itself. There's this reciprocal magic that happens between us on stage and people watching us. And it just goes. It's like if you sing happy birthday and you don't think it's just happy birthday now. (laughs) I I get I get it, especially for what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you would probably know better than I. He's he's doing hat rolls and and it's like it is a cool beat. And Ronnie Mm -hmm. Venucci is is a really, really great drummer. And he plays Mm -hmm. standing up. It's like super mm-hmm. weird. So he'll like he'll like start sitting down, do a roll, and like stand up while playing the drums. So it's it's, it's pretty fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you've played a, it's the ten thousand hours thing, right? When you've played a song that mm-hmm. many times, mm-hmm. you just black mm-hmm. out, and then the song's over. Yep, yep. And so Brandon Flowers followed up, and he said, "I really don't get bored of it. I'm able I'm able to feed off of the excitement of somebody who's there hearing it for the first time. I still get a thrill. My concern is that it's going to turn on us, and there's going to be a backlash. But it just keeps growing. And uh, Ronnie follows up by saying, "It's waiting for Weird Al Yankovic, Hell which yeah. I totally could see happening. It's like Mr. Brightside is." prime material yes, for weird out it's so iconic at this point it is like an icon of the time that it came out yeah and e- easy to rhyme it's like very rhymable and and memeable i mean how many times do you see somewhere on the internet yes. coming out of my cage and i'm doing just fine with like i don't know a madman image or something i think that the, there is like a Someone was talking about like a an airplane once. I promise this will make sense. <laughs> and on the ground, the airplane is like not super well built. It's like a little rickety, a little leaky. But when it gets up to altitude and it gets up to speed, it kind of seals up and becomes like the feat of engineering that it actually is that you couldn't see on the ground. And there is a moment in Mr. Brightside, but it's just the price I pay when he just like pushes the song upward in register Mm -hmm. where i can feel that happening to the song to a song that i like once again don't think is like that particularly well put together but in that moment i I can i can feel the atmosphere tightening around it and understand why it it has stuck in people's brains the way it has in the in the last 20 years 
There's a there's definitely a je ne sais quoi for sure. And you you just um articulated that very well by, <laughs> <laughs> with the airplane. Now before we get into a little bit more about the holiday, will you please tell the we just tell us mm-hmm. why do you other than the obvious is that you're not being raised with Christmas. Right. Why do you not like Christmas? Because I've met a lot of Jews <laughs> who love, 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 love Christmas. Unapologetically. Yeah, that kind of weirds me out. So, yeah, I was raised Jewish. I didn't celebrate Christmas as a kid. I grew up in Pennsylvania. But it was, I wasn't like, uh, I didn't grow up in a place where there weren't any people that weren't Christian. But I, I am not super into Christmas. And I'm not super into Christmas movies for the reason that I like, you know, I don't have this connection to this holiday and everyone else super duper does. And it <laughs> feels like I'm watching this kind of mass hysteria from the outside. And I used to very much want to be a part of it and play along. And now I'm like, but what exactly are you people doing? And, you know, we talked a little bit off air, like this really came to a head during during covid when people were were traveling and and putting people at risk and and flying across the country and i understand that christmas is an important holiday to people but like important enough to kill your grandma um (laughs) yeah right right and christmas movies have kind of a similar vibe where the answer is usually because it's the magic of christmas right oh Mm. elf there there's no there isn't going to be a christmas this year oh here comes Santa because the magic of Christmas. Same. Okay, does this does this apply to Home Alone? For no. You? So oh, his I, Kevin's family came back. It's the magic of Christmas. Yeah, but but he's an idiot little kid. <laughs> like if we didn't see the lengths that Catherine O'Hara's character went to get back to Kevin, I probably would have felt that way, right? But because we see her like actually get on a in a in a meat right. truck with John Candy, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like. <laughs> Um, but I, I feel similarly about like Miracle on 34th Street. It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is actually less yeah. about Christmas than I remembered it being. But yeah, yeah. Even it's like even, it's like more Christmas adjacent that has been socialized into being entirely about Christmas. Sure, and and there are kind of like alternative Christmas movies. We're not going to mention Die Hard, um, but like <laughs> movies like Batman Returns or Brazil, who are taking. Or even things like Lethal Weapon um, or The Long Kiss Goodnight, the this, this kind of Shane Black, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, also, mm. also Shannon Sossman, which is, is taking the magic of Christmas and like showing kind of the rotten underbelly, which I actually find really fascinating because it's like a cool juxtaposition. And I think that the holiday fits like exactly right in the middle of that, where it is like a very fun, pleasant movie. But the characters don't get together because it's Christmas and Christmas is a time when you should be honest with each other or whatever. Right. I mean, I, I definitely enjoy as as far as Christmas movies or Christmas rom-coms are concerned. Mm -hmm. I get more enjoyment still out of watching the holiday many because we we did debate doing a love actually. Yeah. It was almost a love actually episode. Almost. Tune in next year. And, Love actually has hold, has held up so rottenly. Is that a word? It has held up it's so aged poorly. Like milk. Yeah, <laughs> for so many reasons. And never that, forget that movie is is in no small part about nine eleven. 
Yeah. Speaking of nine, that's our second nine eleven uh, reference. It's a good thing we didn't do the <laughs> didn't do love actually because I would have just only talked about how that movie's about nine eleven. It is. It does feel like kind of a, a response. I've, I've really never heard that before, but now that I think about it, it makes so much sense. It's the first line of the movie. Hugh Grant's like when the when the planes oh, hit the towers. Oh yeah, it is. Like, it is. Jesus it is. Christ. It is. Well, I haven't watched Love Actually in a few years because I I watched it one too many times, like in sure. in college when there there wasn't anything to do at, at school. So we other than just like the same parties over and over. So we watched like Love Actually and The Notebook like every night oh boy well i'm exaggerating i rec i recommend lindy west's essay shit actually about love actually <laughs> i do love lindy west oh, and so i do good. and i do love her um newsletter butt news yes where she just like recaps a movie in her own like, yeah yeah i have language. the book i have the shit actually book which is very that's, very very funny <laughs> that's amazing yeah that's so good well um i'm gonna have to read i i'm pretty sure i read her first book yeah 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 yeah, I I can appreciate your feelings of, <laughs> uh, about about Christmas. I, as a fellow Jew, am just ambivalent about sure. Christmas. Yeah. Um, obviously, I wasn't raised with it. I have some awkward memories of childhood, like in school, and you remember like elementary school music class where you play the recorder and then mm-hmm. sing Christmas songs during the Christmas season. Well, my parents sent me into school with either a note. A note. Or, yes. My mom yeah. would have done the same. My mom, <laughs> listener of the show would have done the same thing. And mom, um, I'm going to blow up your spot I, in a minute. I wasn't allowed to sing the Christmas songs. Although there were, um, the rule was slightly bent because I, I also participated in choir in elementary school. And then there were, Christmas and Hanukkah yeah, and yeah, yeah. holiday songs. So like we did sing Feliz Navidad and then all Which of that. Which is but, just a Christmas song. Yeah. Uh, but with with um, just your average sit down in a desk and open your textbook music class, I, I just had to like tell the teacher, I'm not allowed to sing the Christmas song. Got to put my head down on my desk while you sing. Everyone, oh, just no one look at me while I don't sing the song. So this is, I think, what also builds my resentment of christmas right which is is because you an innocent who <laughs> you have your you were either depending on how you look at it, look at it mind poisoned into wanting to be a part of christmas as like a the tip of the spear in converting you into christianity and and stripping you of your jewish heritage or just ostracized for not doing this thing because it is such a part of American culture that people don't even realize that it is a religious thing and it is excluding people who don't believe in that religion, not just Jews, but literally any, any, anybody other than Christian people, even some sects yeah. of Christianity, right? Greek yeah. Orthodox Christmas is just a different day. <laughs> True. But my mom, my and, mom did something yeah. very, very similar, but like so much worse. Uh, oh, what? I what? told this story on a, on a different podcast, but when I was five, you know how, so once again, like default American culture, we just all like believe in Christmas. So the news did a 
story about how Santa is able to deliver all the presents, right? Like the 6ABC local news was like, this is how what, it works. What, they, they followed him? Yeah, they're like tracking him on satellite, the NORAD thing, whatever, right? And so yeah. I asked my mom why Santa didn't come to give presents to our house. And she a reasonable question for a five year old. She, my mom has a PhD. She's a very smart woman, and she was like, "Oh, because Santa's not real, right?" Okay, it yeah. wasn't even like uh, you know we believe in something different. It wasn't, uh, and it's, oh, Santa's not real. But she didn't tell me not to tell anyone. So I had thought. <laughs> so you just like went around and ruined it for yeah, all your five year old But not on purpose. I thought that my mother like got Nixon. I went into kindergarten <laughs> the next day and I was like, you're never going to fucking believe this. <laughs> so she's like, you're like scooped. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then I, so then I made some kid cry and I got I got in a lot of trouble. Oh and my, the, my teacher is like, there is a Santa. And I was like, I don't know. My mom's pretty smart. And she told me that there wasn't a Santa. And it's like, call my mom. It was like a whole fucking thing. But yeah. Did so your I, mom like get in trouble with your with your with friends, my teacher? parents? No, oh. my mother would not give two or like, shits. Or like about... your your friends' parents no. or whatever. Were Mm-mm. you like disinvited from everyone's houses? I or... wouldn't know. I okay. wouldn't. Have go- <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to go anyway for the same reason that you couldn't sing the Christmas songs. Because right. I also wanted the Christmas lights. I thought the lights were really pretty. I wanted them, and my parents were like, "No, because that's not. <laughs> we don't do who that. We are. We don't do <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and we have the menorah. It's supposed right. to sit in the window. And I was like, yeah. the menorah sucks." Yeah, and then and then there's like the whole like ha- like let's elevate Hanukkah, oh, because, God. and 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 it's just like cool Hanukkah. Cool. Cool. Um, I will give my parents some credit that they gave us presents every night, and that okay. that that did that was a balm on the on the lack of Christmas wound. And, I don't know. Um, I feel like it's all very it 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 is it is designed to make kids who don't believe in the monoculture yeah. feel left out i also uh i think it would be funny to treat christmas like other people treat other holidays like non-christian holidays so be like when is christmas this year yeah right <laughs> oh every year the 25th every year this is you're reminding me of like those tiktoks where people are like let's answer questions about having children oh yeah yeah yeah. the same way that people ask questions about you not what do you mean why did i decide to have children yeah yeah, i won't change my mind one day yeah 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 yeah. um it's like just like flipping the script but i i think like i don't think i was so so much dejected at our lack of christmas i was i think i was overall accepting that okay this is just the way it is i was like Mm -hmm. i was like accepting the narrative that this is not part of my life but there were things that were inescapable that were tricky to navigate such as every year the fire the fire people the firemen the fire people the fi- oh yeah the yeah fire the fire department the fire department sent a a, tr- a fire truck around to every neighborhood and had a a santa handing out candy canes if you just ran down your driveway to mm-hmm. meet him at at yeah and it's like catching the santa school bus get your candy canes and it's candy like i wanted a freaking candy this is cane. how they fucking get you i know it's indoctrination and, and, and uh and so my sister and i would be like oh my god candy and i i could tell and my mother would be like go 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 and my dad would be like 
uh, you know, like he was yeah. like a like massive chest sigh. <laughs> Like I could tell it just stuck in his craw and I was just like, well, this doesn't mean anything. And I could tell like, like, like for him, I was reading it as like, okay, I know you think it's like a slippery slope. Like I like one puff of pot equals I'm going to be, I'm going to be like a heroin addict. It's going to make you eat the whole package of candy canes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So it was like little things like that. It was like, I just, I just want some candy. This doesn't mean anything. Yeah. 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 But it but sucks. I, that you but have I to also under, as a but Christian. I also like understand that yeah. it's everywhere and it's going to like that. I think is I, I, I've never, well, this is getting real deep now. I've never really wanted to be a mother. But one of and and this is and this is for myriad reasons and 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 the the ultimate of which is that I just don't feel like doing it. Like it's very it's very simple. (laughs) The ultimate reason is none of your goddamn business. (laughs) Yeah, none of your goddamn business. But and also no judgment whatsoever. I love my child having friends. Like I love hanging out with my uh, my 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 friends' kids. It's just not something that I would want that I want to take on. But but one of the um microcosmic reasons within that is that i don't want to deal with the uh this like the internal struggle like the soul ripping struggle of like well can i have both yeah like, yeah Christmas yeah because your and, husband and is, was raised yeah. differently yeah yeah not Jewish, and, right? and like what sh- what should we do and like yeah, if I man. raise them a certain way, are they just gonna like get swallowed up into the monoculture? And I, I just, I can't. Like, I'm my brain hurts. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm we're just, gonna get some. Just gonna uh, eat eat a candy cane and just hang out and just like, you know, be be a Christmas Jew and then eat some guilt and oh, not. Yeah. I'm some just ch- no, Chinese no pressure. Food. Eat some Chinese food and just I these days it's like no pressure. But yeah, I, I feel like, you know, people who who do celebrate Christmas, who do subscribe to that monoculture might have some difficulty like understanding where we're coming from or think that we're just kind of being sore losers or Grinches. whatever. Grinchies. Yeah. Which like I wear as a badge of honor. Whatever. I'm a fucking Grinch. But um ask yourself when the last time you didn't get mail on a Jewish or Hindu or Muslim holiday, or you couldn't go to the <laughs> bank, or you couldn't <laughs> stores had different hours right it's just inconvenient it 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 is but it's also like (laughs) so ingrained in the culture that we don't even see it anymore right that's Um, the that's the thing yeah no it's i mean you're right and honestly my adult place about christmas is just kind of ambivalent like i i like the presents taylor and i just use it as an excuse to give each other presents because gift giving is like both of our love languages yeah dude yeah, and um, if he wants to go home to North Carolina, cool. But usually, he—I mean, he hates traveling, especially, yeah. especially on Christmas around yeah. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It's so horrible. in my like, we both in our ideal year, we'll just like use the week to uh, have a little staycation. And ultimately, like. You know, if the secular Christmas advocates will say that's all it is, right? It's like a time to be with family and to and to express the love of what. And I'm very, very. That's the Christmas that I celebrate when I'm with you know Leanne or her family yeah. or, or yeah, her yeah. Friends. And so, like, yeah. I get it, and I and I do believe in that. Um, and Me and too. and the ho- the holiday is good because a because it has like a Jewish care multiple Jewish characters who are just like we're mm. here too. And it doesn't 
it is it is literally just about like finding someone who understands you in whatever way that presents right it could be between Mm -hmm. 25 year old kate winslet and an old man (laughs) love really is all around (laughs) actually oh yeah shit (laughs) (laughs) famously that movie is called love Uh, is (laughs) it's been a long day i went to a holiday party last night and i have to get up at like 2 a.m. tomorrow so i'm I'm not at like peak working order right now well the the holiday was a hit thanks in no small part to the star power and the catchiness of this week's needle drop the film grossed you know i love this 206 Mm -hmm. million dollars worldwide against a production budget of 85 and they even threw in the the advertising spend which was good for me so i didn't have to estimate it the advertising spend was about 35 million so it did it did a really good job but not everyone loved it. Reportedly, three members of the British indie rock band, the Wombats, went to see the movie, expecting a rom-com in the spirit of Bridget Jones's diary. And they ended up hating mm-hmm. the film so much <laughs> that they wrote the song Kill the Director about, yeah. about the holiday, which contains the lyrics, if this is a rom-com, kill the director, and this is no Bridget Jones. Yeah, speaking of songs on my gym playlist, that is one of them. Kill the Director? I- yeah no shit yeah uh that that song slaps as does turn turn is a slapping song okay but like how different is this than bridget jones it's not all that it's not i mean like we we haven't done an episode on this yet but we should on bridget jones's use of um what in all by myself and oh yeah credits and yeah and i really that's kind of a, a mirroring i mean i feel like i feel like the holiday mr brightside mirrors exactly. all by myself and, yeah and i think you know what i what i don't understand i don't understand i don't understand how you could see them as so, maybe they wanted more more british people in it i don't know maybe they were just jealous that they didn't get asked to be in the movie and and the american band the killers beat them out so uh, a band cosplaying Britishness got to Exa- be in the British. Exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But a few months after the movie came out, the popularity of house swapping, the website that they use in the movie was a real website. Uh, the popularity of house swapping was on the rise, so much so that the police in England had to issue a warning against swapping homes with strangers due to identity fraud and murders. Yeah. Or or just... a. Uh, people not leaving which is why i'm terrified to ever like airbnb our place it's insane i'm afraid someone would just never leave insane that that was a plot of a movie where no one is murdered (laughs) and it also it seems like jack black also doesn't really consider this all the way a christmas movie either in a video shared by variety in 2019 jack black forgot about his role in the holiday he was he was asked about his favorite movie to watch over the holidays and he said elf my favorite holiday film, it's got to be Elf. John Favreau and Will Ferrell just knock it out of the park. And the interviewer said, you could have said your own movie. And he just, <laughs> he becomes at, at this moment visibly confused by that comment. Mm-hmm. And he goes, do I have a Christmas movie? Which one is mine? And then snaps snaps into realization and says, oh, the holiday. Obviously, the holiday. He adds, Nancy Myers, genius. Uh, um, can I tell you a secret? Yeah. I only just saw the elf the elf. I only just saw the elf, elf for the first time last year. I don't care for it. It's fine. I missed my window. I should have seen it like when it first came out, but I didn't. 
He's got he's and, got the same kind of child mind problems that Cameron Diaz does in Charlie's Angels, where I'm like, you're an adult. Why are you doing this? True. Um, but it's like way more socially acceptable. I don't know. Like, like it's not it's not meant to be sexy. Sure. He's not a very sexy baby. Like but, yeah, yeah. But like Cameron Diaz is sexy baby. And that's so many things a little problematic. (laughs) But Cameron Diaz has all but retired from acting in with 2014's Annie, which you guessed it. She sings and dances. She also dances in The Other Woman, What to Expect When You're Expecting, What Happens in Vegas and Bad Teacher. For a 20 year career, she made a big impact in the genre of movies that we don't really make anymore. These lighthearted, low stakes rom-com rom-coms where someone, I guess, dances in their living room. But ultimately, this movie is all about music. Miles is a composer. That's Jack Black's character. Cameron mm-hmm. Diaz's ex, Ethan, is also a composer. And there's a lot of talk in this film about adding the perfect piece of music to augment or accentuate a scene, specifically in that blockbuster scene that we mentioned earlier. The film mm-hmm. itself is scored by Hans Zimmer, which is one of the top five most famous composers of all time. And this was before he started phoning <laughs> it in with big brass and synths. But that is a top a hot take for a different podcast. I was gonna say, or just got like people to do it for him. That's and then that's slap slap his name on. That's it. That's what he's doing, right? I don't know <laughs> if we can legally say that, so maybe cut it out of the show. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. allegedly I have heard from numerous sources that that is what he's doing he's just got a team and that team does the music and he calls it by Hans Zimmer allegedly right he no he just walks into a room and is allegedly just like this sounds good allegedly yeah, but the music of the film bleeds into the visuals themselves. When Maggie Shannon Sossaman is apologizing to Miles for cheating on him, he can be seen playing a sample of Iris's theme on the seat cushion as it plays in the score, which is a pretty good indication of the choice he's going to make for the end of the movie. But there is this very interesting marriage of music and film, not just talked about academically, but evidenced by jack black's character and so it's no wonder that nancy myers would have the good sense to pick the perfect song for cameron diaz's ninth turn at dancing around in the living room uh, someone really needs to do like the supercut Di- yeah that or like cameron diaz dancing in movies ranked oh they did that's why i was late to this show because I, cause I did <laughs> most of them from memory and then i was yeah. like let me see if i missed any i missed several was it on, was it like a vulture list? Sounds like a vulture a, list. It was a uh, Marie Claire list. Awesome, perfect. That's um I also didn't want us to end this podcast before I could tell you how much I love Nancy Myers's um writing debut, Private Benjamin, one of my all-time favorite movies. I love a Goldie Hawn. It's such good Goldie Hawn. Like if you haven't seen any Goldie Hawn, like that's the Goldie Hawn. And I, I actually haven't seen very many Goldie Hawks except for that and like First Wives Club. Oh yeah, Overboard is also great. The, oh the, yeah, Overboard is good. Yeah, I have seen that. The there is a, a really interesting like you know we talked a little bit about auteurs a few times on this show where like we see the male auteurs and their like maleness like your Scorseses and your De Palmas and your whoever's but like. To me, to be an auteur, you just need like a sense of a sense of style so strong that you could mm-hmm. take one look at a frame and know that this is a X movie. And Nancy Myers absolutely has that. She's one of the few women auteurs that are that were are 
Is she still working? Let me look. Yeah, I want to say yes. She did. I think the intern was her most. The intern, right? Yeah, she she did the intern in 2015, which is also just like a a lovely movie. And so uh, it seems like she's got uh, a a movie in pre production right now. I hope it's just as good with such an amazing kitchen. But she is Mm -hmm. one of the best female best female auteurs that is like overlooked because there isn't like thundering violence in her movies beautiful homes beautiful kitchens father of the bride all time one of my all-time faves father of the bride too equally great honestly i saw father i saw father of the bride late and Mm -hmm. and so i don't i don't get it (laughs) okay that's fair um i saw it at the perfect age where i was like just old enough to think about what kind of wedding i would have if i had a wedding and (laughs) um and it was i don't know it was nothing like father of the bride (laughs) but because isn't she like 19 in that movie she is supposed to be like 22 and she's just finished grad school i want to say she's supposed to be really young and then as you get older you're like Annie. What are you doing? What are you doing? You don't have to marry. So that's him. that's the perspective that I but, had when yeah, I was watching yeah. it for the first time. I was like, what, have, what is this movie? You have Steve Martin's perspective. Yeah, for sure. But um, I I also like feel comforted by watching Steve Martin movies because he reminds me a lot of my father. Oh yeah, I love Steve, yeah love Steve Martin. Big fan yeah. of uh, a movie called Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Mm, have you mm-hmm. seen that one no he, no i haven't but he cuts himself into old noir movies so he plays like ah. an old noir detective and he's like in a scene with humphrey bogart and it's just like a like a like a hodgepodge of old noir movies that have like a new whatever new plot hardly a day goes by where we don't um in this house quote dirty rotten scoundrels hell yeah but have you seen all of me no, the, what is all the movie? The movie, the Steve Martin, Lily Tomlin movie, All of Me. Oh, I love Lily Tomlin. That is one of my all time favorites where Lily Tomlin plays. Um, she's like an heiress. She's like a millionaire billionaire who is also very ill and very so spoiled. a little like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Actually, yes, um, <laughs> except that she has uh, paid. Uh, it's also I think it doesn't hold like the racism doesn't really hold up very well, but she's paid. Uh, this they they call him the swami um to spiritually to move her spirit from her dying body when she dies ultimately to the body of a young beautiful woman who is the daughter of the uh uh what do you call it? like the stable keeper okay right and the way that steve martin comes into it is that he's i think the lawyer and he needs to like sign off on some stuff and she's she's his client and he like they like it's one of those they hate each other but then they're stuck with each other enemies to lovers enemies to lovers and and without ruining anything the movie is basically like something goes wrong of course and steve martin is forced to share a body (laughs) oh i think i have probably seen yeah so lily tomlin accidentally goes into his body Yeah, yeah and they have to share they have to share his body, and it's like super funny. Directed by uh, Carl Reiner, and uh, mm-hmm. bringing it all home, uh, the character of 
Fred Hoskins is played by a man named Eric Christmas. Oh, nice. That was so unintentional. Yeah. Perfect. But yeah, um, highly recommend. That's it for this this special holiday episode of In Sync. Thank you for listening. You can get at us uh, on Instagram and TikTok and wherever you get your social medias. We're at the In Sync Pod. Our production coordinator is Kyle Bosch. Our social media producer is Dale Stanfley. Executive produced by Tommy West. Original music by Taylor Barefoot. We are a pro Taylor podcast. <laughs> In Sync is produced by Gotham West Studios. Happy holidays to you and yours, and enjoy your your Christmas holiday vacation. <laughs> Humbug. <laughs> we will. We will. We really will. I promise. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.